0: Hey everybody, welcome to this week's roundup. Before we begin, real quick, it looks like JLCPCB will no longer be sponsoring this podcast. I think they're just cutting back on YouTube sponsorships. But I just wanted to tell everybody, I meant every word I said. I really do like their service and I'm going to continue to use it. Working with their bill of materials is still a massive pain in the... However, once you get it right, everything goes smoothly. So um, I hope to work with them again in the future, and I also hope to be getting more sponsorships soon because I really want to continue to do these, but I just wanted to let everybody know like there wasn't a problem or anything because a few people had asked, you know, what happened last week, why were there no uh, sponsorships, so I just wanted to say everything's cool thanks to JLCPCB, but let's jump in and see what we got going on this week. First up, My Life in Gaming just released a video about how to use your PS2 Slim power supply on most retro consoles. There's a few it's not going to be compatible with at all, but if you have an extra one of these laying around and you needed a replacement PSU for some other consoles, this is definitely a good choice. Now, while I would absolutely recommend watching it, especially if you want to do something like this or if you're just a curious nerd like me, I do want to put my own two cents into this and just add a slightly different perspective. If you have a failing power supply for a console and you're thinking, I want to go out and buy a new one, I would not do this. I would just go get one of those triads that so many of us have been consistently testing and making sure that they're okay, at least equal to the original. And I just, I think overall, I would not hunt down a 20-year-old used power supply to try to convert as your main one. But if you already have one, that's a completely different story. You could certainly save a little bit of money. So definitely check out their video. Everything was great. Um, all their info was correct. It was fact-checked by people much smarter than me. So still an awesome and entertaining video. I just wanted to remind everybody, you know, if you need a brand new power supply, definitely just go and check out one of the Triads. And RetroRGB.com forward slash has all the links you could need, including international links if you're not in the U.S. Next, Andy King recently added a whole bunch of guides for CRT tube testers to his CRT database. And this origin story sounds exactly like the retro RGB origin story in that it seems like a lot of info on how to use these tube testers was scattered all across the internet, making it really hard to figure out how to use the one that you have to kind of figure out some nuances and Andy just cl- uh, took all of that information and is making very clear and easy to use guides. Now, easy to use. Make sure you understand how to work on a CRT. I always say this, I don't care how annoyed people get. The chances of you modding your Super Nintendo and dying are zero unless it's something like you get hit by a meteor while you're modding it or you mod it in the bathtub. It's not a dangerous thing to do. However, working on CRTs is dangerous, and the chance of death, while small, is not zero. So please be careful while working on this stuff. However, if you're already comfortable working on it, definitely check this out Sterling did a great post that kind of summarized what to expect from this, but overall, it's just a, a really great resource if you want to work with tube testers to kind of see the current state of your tube, see if it needs rejuvenating, which that's a kind of a whole other thing that you might not want to do unless you knew what you were doing, but overall, the main guide as well as the B&K Precision 467 and 490 guides are mostly complete, and sections on the destructive features are also there, as well as the Sencor CR7000. So, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of saying model names out here. If you don't have a CRT tester, you're definitely going to want to dig in and really just research which one to buy. But if you already have them, definitely reference this database and see what you got, because uh, it's just, it's really, really awesome to have all of this info compiled in one place like this. So thanks, Andy, for doing the work, and thanks, Sterling, for writing a nice post so we all understand what it is. This week's Roundup is sponsored by whoever the got me sick. I can't believe I'm sitting here sick with a raw throat in late May, so if I'm barely able to make it through these sections, or if I sound and look all weird, that's all it is. Oh, and by the way, thank you to everybody who supports and click like, subscribe, click on the support section. I My throat's raw. I, I, you, you all know what to do. Thank you. Analog just opened pre-orders on their Duo console, and I have a lot of good things to say, but unfortunately, as usual, most of the mainstream publications are missing some of the very important parts. So I have to start with what, in my opinion, is a negative, but I honestly I have mostly positive thoughts about this. So, OpenFPGA is not going to be supported with the Duo. And... It's only on their website in tiny little print at the end with a little asterisk next to some of the stuff on it. It is not clear at all. A bunch of weird turtleneck wearing analog trolls got mad at me for saying that it wasn't that it was clear. It's not clear at all. And I think many people bought this thing assuming that it was going to perform like the pocket and be able to load up all of these cores. And I'd certainly hoped that because I thought it would be a very neat way to have a docked pocket core type of thing. But OpenFPGA, is not going to be supported on this. So, as long as you're clear about that and as long as you're cool with it, the rest of what I have to say is all positive. But I just wanted to make sure because I, I, you know, the, their press releases are brilliant. I have never said anything other than praise for Chris's press releases, but they're also very controlled and the no emulation thing is bullshit. It's hardware emulation and there's nothing wrong with that either. But now on to the positive stuff. My favorite part of this by far and I know this is just my opinion but I love how it actually kind of looks like a duo console it doesn't exactly look like a turbo duo or a pc engine duo but if you knew what those consoles were and you looked at this you would actually get a sense of that original one. And I think that's awesome. I really prefer that there is a lot of remnants of the original in here, but also it plays hue card games. It plays CD-ROMs. It's got HDMI out and the price is about, the price came to just over 300 bucks after shipping. However, that is going to vary wildly depending on where you live. We all remember their premium shipping thing. So that $250 price point isn't isn't accurate. Uh, They charged me tax and shipping. So it came to just over 300. I was very lucky that a friend of mine asked me to buy one so that I could test it before sending it to them. So thank you so much for everybody that helps me out with that stuff, because I can't afford to buy all this stuff. And it's really nice to be able to test it for free, go through the purchase process so I could say things like an actual real price to you all. Uh, But anyway, I also don't have a problem with the price. And a lot of people do. And I'm 100% going to defend analog for this one. The price of everything has skyrocketed in the past few years. And even things that no longer have a part shortage, the main manufacturers and the distributors are still holding out, trying to sell them at higher prices. And it is a battle trying to get them down. So I actually think that the price hike from 200 to 250 is more than fair considering everything that's been happening with this. So and I also think that the most important thing for you all to remember is if you want a duo console, you have to recap it. There's no choice. If you just buy one, or if you bought one that's supposedly refurbished, you have to still open it up and check because if you don't, that fluid could leak through the motherboard and then it's dead. So, you have to buy a duo. You have to have somebody recap it or do it yourself, which takes a long time. Then, if you want high quality output, you'd have to RGB mod it. Then, you'd have to buy a scaler. That's like double the price of the duo. And if you're just looking to play this stuff on a flat panel TV, that $300 price point is totally fair if you're a fan of using original discs and U cards. Of course, you can get a mister for this price and do all of this, but that's not what these are for. So, while I've always Stood up to whatever, you know, whatever weirdness I didn't like about analog. I've also always defended them in that a lot of people just want to play their original games. They don't want to mess with this. They don't like, they don't have the time to do it. They'd like to use their original console or cartridges. Sorry. So I'm a hundred percent. Uh, behind this product. I think it should be awesome. I, I, I would love to know if it works with the Turbo EverDrive Pro and if uh, Kevin somehow made the stereo audio work. There's a lot of questions I have about it, but I just think that the bottom line is that the price is fair. Uh, I like the look of the console. If it performs as well as the rest, you're going to get a lot of value for it. I just don't really like that they didn't include Open FPGA, and I think many of us would have paid more for that feature because I just if you're a fan of the duo having that sitting on your table you know, or your TV stand whatever it just kind of looks awesome in original so i don't know i i i wanted to make sure i was very clear about this because whenever you talk about analog you have two sets of trolls you have the ones that hate them and the ones that love them and the ones that love them are just so strange to me but i wanted to be clear that they're not clear about not having open fpga but i like pretty much everything else about this so um you know Pre-orders are, I think, are still available, and if you want their wireless, (coughs) the 8-bit DOS wireless controller, you can buy those now right from Amazon. You don't have to buy them through analog. I left links to all of that right here, and those controllers look pretty cool as well, and they're 2.4 gig wireless, and they've been rated at 7.5 milliseconds of latency, so not bad at all. Uh, So definitely check out the post for more info, but I just wanted to make sure I was clear. I think this thing is really cool. I just... You know, as usual, there's always something shady going on with their marketing. Pre-orders are now open for plug-and-play Bluetooth adapters for the GameCube. So these are tiny little dongles that just look like the end of GameCube controllers that you could plug directly in, and you could sync up any Bluetooth, pretty much any Bluetooth controller with it. Now, this is based on Darth Cloud's Blue Retro platform, which means if you use a low-latency controller like PS4 or PS5 controllers, you have less than 6 milliseconds of lag, which I think that's fine for me for everything. I'm sure pro gamers, smash players are going to probably prefer wired controllers just to make sure. And I don't, I don't blame them at all, but honestly, if you're not competing in tournaments, I I can't imagine you would ever notice latency from a PS five controller hooked up to this. Um, You know, And while those controllers are expensive, if you already own one, this is kind of a no-brainer. So a $30 price point for a plug-and-play Bluetooth dongle that you could just use in any GameCube, and I'm pretty sure any Wii as well. Just remember, it's going to function exactly like a GameCube controller plugged into a Wii. It's not going to magically make it both a Wii controller and a GameCube controller. But I think this is awesome. Um, There's remappable buttons. There's that web interface that Blue Retro stuff has. Uh, And there's even firmware updates that are available for it. So I I think this is awesome. I think if you're looking for a wireless controller for your GameCube, that you should really check this one out and see if you like it. And uh, all the other info should be right here in the post. The creator of the awesome Hass Supergun has just released a product called the Rico, which is designed for original arcade boards as a button remapper and a rapid-fire adapter. So this is obviously designed for original arcade boards, and it's as basic as you could imagine. It snaps onto the JAMA connector, and it itself on the other side has a JAMA connector, and it basically sits between your harness or Supergun and the original board. And there's a bunch of dip switches on there to select between... Which buttons go through the CPS2 kick harness and which buttons go through the JAMA connector. So if you have your arcade board that's wired as Chama, or if you have boards that are four buttons on the JAMA and two on the harness, or three buttons on the JAMA and you know, three buttons on the harness, whatever combination this will work with. And then it has Everything can be accessed from the controls. So if you want to set the auto fire, if you want, or the rapid fire, if you want to set uh, any of the button remapping, you don't have to climb into your arcade machine or anything to do it. You could do it right from there. Just the dip switches for the um, the harness configuration is the only thing that's really needed. It'll also boot in the last mode, and has it also supports profiles. So this is pretty cool. Imagine you have a game like a a shooter, a top-down shooter, some of my favorite style of games, but it doesn't have auto-fire. So if you were to play it originally, you'd be smashing that button until your carpal tunnel in your wrist happens. So you set the auto-fire for that. You remap some of the buttons so that the layout's exactly how you want it. But then you also want to play a different game, when you boot it, you could then have a different controller combination set so that you could hold a button and it'll swap into the other profile. so you don't have to remap and reset all of this every time you use it. Um, while I think a lot of people with super guns might be interested in this, I do think it's probably going to be for people who, most people who have stand-up arcade machines or, or, you know, the candy cabs, please correct me in the comments if you think I'm wrong about this, Um but the price is $80, and you could get a Haas super gun for not much more than that, which is why I kind of think this is something that's really going to be used for people with arcade machines. Uh, there's also a tournament mode, so if you do have arcade machines, you could lock everything down to whatever settings you want and make sure that people don't go in there and change anything around or mess with anything. So... Uh, respectfully, this is for arcade enthusiasts. I made a little wise-ass comment about emulation users, but I also meant that with love in that if you're like me and you use emulation and original arcade boards, you might not really need this because emulation is going to have most of the stuff taken care of. Uh, or if you're only emulation, whether it's Raspberry Pi or Mr., then you don't need this at all. So I just, I always want to make sure I'm clear about this stuff because when you talk about an $80 controller adapter for JAMA, there's always people out there that are like, why would you buy it? Which is a fair question if you're not into original arcade boards and you don't know how a lot of this stuff works. So I just wanted to make sure I was clear and honest about everything, but this seems awesome. And I think, you know, I'm three minutes in and there's already people probably clicking on the link to buy one because they already know exactly why they want this or why they don't need it. But either way, all the other info and links are right here in the uh, in the post if you're interested. Now it's time for this week's Mr. Updates, care of Lou from Lou's Source. As usual, I'm just going to skim through these, and if you want any more details, please check out Lou's video where he's got screenshots and footage and all that other awesome stuff. First up, Artemio and Wickerwaka just posted a video on YouTube discussing the development of the M92 core, and those are both two amazing people that I would listen to no matter what they talked about, so I, I highly recommend checking that one out. Also, Pixel Cherry Ninja just did an interview with developer Pramod about core development and how they got their start. That's another great one if you want inside info on how Mr. Stuff is is going. Also, Robert has just started porting the N64 software emulation over to the Mr. and got it to boot. So it's good news there. It's still a long way from actually being able to play N64 on a Mr. and it might not even work Perfectly like the PlayStation core, but this is very promising Also, it looks like Hans the person who is developing the MystX project is also looking into the N64 core So even if Robert's work doesn't run at full speed on the DE 10 Maybe there's a faster platform out there that MystX could run this on Um Mister, next up, Mr. Retro Wolf released a new video in the Mr. series, which explains the hardware and core of the game Datori Kun. And it covers the function of the board, a schematic breakdown, and a bunch of other stuff. So if you really want to learn more about how these cores are created, this seems like a really great resource for it. Also, Hotego announced that the Neo Geo Pocket Core is needing completion. There's still some details, but a beta release is planned for June. Atrak 17 announced that the arcade puzzle game Saldum, featuring characters from the Rodland series, is now available for the Jalico Mega System 1 core. You could manually install it or just download it via Update All by enabling the CoinOp Collection database. Next, Anton Gale's next step for the Taito System J core is to implement hit detection. So that's coming along step by step. Um, also, Hotego's team is working on the schematics for the arcade game Parodius Da, which shares tile map chips with Aliens and Super Contra, but the sprite chips are different. And the schematics will be available once completed. And also, Wizzo has just talked about or just released a new extension called Remote. And I'd messed with this a couple weeks ago. I didn't know if it was public beta or private beta. Uh, And I liked it a lot. And this is a really great resource, I think, especially for people who have multiple misters. And especially things like arcades or, or just people who have multiple stuff hanging out. Because you could use your PC or cell phone, anything that's on the same network, to control the mister and to load games, to reset it, whatever else. So imagine you set up an arcade, and you whether it's in your home or whether it's your business, and you have a bunch of people over, you're hanging out, and you know, something's not working, something needs rebooting, another game wants to be loaded, you know, it might be way easier for you to just whip out your cell phone, click on the bookmark that you set for this, and just log in and change all those things than it it would be to, depending on how you have it hooked up, maybe you require a keyboard, maybe you need button combos, so I love this, I think this is an absolutely awesome thing to check out, Uh, so please You know, look at that one. Uh, There's a Lou did a demo of it in his video, so make sure to check that out. And of course, make sure to subscribe to Lou because there's no way I could keep up with all this stuff without him. So thanks, Lou. Next up, Eon just launched a $200 component to HDMI converter for the Xbox, and I don't think most of you should buy it. There's absolutely a use case where it would be a help but this seems way overpriced and you could do it all for half the price by buying individual piece components. So let me walk you through exactly why this is not a hit piece. There's no drama. I'm just being blunt. Like always, Uh, you know, people love me or hate me for it. That's fine. Whatever. Let's walk through this. First of all, this is a device that plugs directly into the AV port of an Xbox and converts component video to HDMI. Now, I have not used this, I've not seen one, but I'm assuming this is just an analog-to-digital converter, which is good because that means there's no chance of lag being added because there's no buffer. Now, I guess they could have used a frame-buffer-based design, but they would have to be really stupid to do that, and the Justins are not stupid people. And every time I've said that, by the way, people think that's a dig. That's not a dig. The two owners of Eon are both named Justin. I'm not making fun of anybody that's actually their name. But they're not stupid people. They wouldn't have done that. So I'm going to assume that this is a zero lag device because it would have actually cost them more money to use a frame buffer design. So zero lag, we think, analog to digital converter. As long as it's laid out correctly, there should be no interference added. It should just be like every decent ADC. And there's also an HDMI splitter built in. So you get dual HDMI output. There's also a separate broken out audio connector, and there is a network hub built in so you could daisy chain other Xboxes right into this if you're playing LAN play. So all of that sounds awesome. There's no complaints about any of that. It's the price that's the complaint. It's $190 plus shipping and probably taxes depending on where you are. So let's just kind of break down what you would need to accomplish that right now. First, just getting an analog-to-digital conversion of the Xbox without any scaling or deinterlacing for the small handful of 480i games. You could do that if you already own component video cables that don't suck, or if you have one of those official Microsoft HD packs. You can get a $20 ADC to do this for you. So right off the bat, you might not even need that functionality or if you don't have anything or just composite cables or crappy knockoff cables you can get the Xbox to HDMI from Electron Shepherd for 32 you can get the Chimeric Systems cable which they've uh, temporarily shut down their store i think they're on vacation or something so but you could also get the Sedusa Exedusa from the Behar brothers for 65, which also includes every single analog video output solution. And that thing has been running great for a long time. Apparently there were just a few defective ones off the assembly line, which is the brightness issue, but they've already replaced anybody who had the issue. I actually don't think, I think there was only one other person that had it, so performance should have been good on all of them. And my only other complaint about the Sedusa was maybe there was a strain relief problem, but there's already a 3D printed bracket for that too. So 65 bucks gets you a lot for that adapter. And of course, for HDMI splitters, I reviewed that one last year. That is absolutely awesome. And that one was $28, but it's a splitter. It's an audio extractor. It also works with the PlayStation 3. So That is a device that you could use on many things, not just your Xbox. And of course, network switches, you could probably find a decent 10 base T network switch Because remember, uh, there's not gigabit Ethernet on an Xbox. So you could probably go to a Goodwill or a used store and find one of those things for a dollar. But if you wanted to have a good one, that you could also connect with your consoles and other consoles and stuff. You can get a very nice eight port network switch for less than 20 bucks. So if you add all of that stuff up, if you need every bit of this functionality, you could still have it for half price. So this thing is just a giant ripoff, unless you're somebody who runs tournaments. Because in that case, if you think about the effort of carrying all of those devices with you to every tournament, as opposed to just carrying this and your Xbox, and then also Daisy chaining the Xboxes together with some network cables as opposed to running everything through a switch. If you visualize carrying that and setting it up at each gig that you have, that's a lot of work. And on top of that, I'd be willing to bet that some of the retailers or Eon would give you a bulk discount. So if you're somebody that says, "Hey, I run Xbox tournaments, I need 10 of these things," are you really going to charge me 2 grand? I don't I don't think that's the case. So I think the device itself has the potential to be good if it's built right. We'll get back to that in a second. I just think the price is kind of outrageous for this, unless, you know, unless the situation I just described. But the build quality is something that I definitely think is suspect because every one of their adapters has had build quality issues. This uh, picture from Voltar back in the day shows what one of them was like, but they've all kind of been like this, like haphazardly thrown together. And there have been many that have, in fact, I believe... Uh, I'm sorry if I got this wrong, but I think Joe from GameSack even got one brand new that the audio didn't work right because of the poor build quality. So even if you decide, look, I don't need any of that stuff for anything other than my Xbox. I just want a dual output solution so I could stream and play on my flat panel. Having that network hub is a cool idea. You're still paying 200 bucks for something that might look like a haphazardly thrown together device. Without opening it, no one could really tell for sure. So I know this all sounds like I'm going after Eon, but all I'm doing is simply speaking facts. There is nothing I've said that isn't provable, a hundred percent factual, and and consistent over the history of the company. So You know, I think the problem, problem, explanation, whatever you want to say is Eon, the Justins are great at marketing. They set up all of their tournaments, they get their ideas out and they get their products out all over the internet. Everybody who's into retro has heard of them. And I think while they're a great marketing company, that's what you're paying $200 for. All of that money that you're spending is going to that marketing to tell people that this is the best adapter for your Xbox. So it's kind of counterproductive, especially when you think of all of the people out there that are trying to make affordable devices for the Xbox and they can't afford the marketing because they're not overcharging you. So I think that's kind of what bugs me about this one. And obviously I'm, not, I'm a nerd at heart, not a businessman. If I was, I would be commending how well they've pulled this off three times so far. But it just it bugs me that they're charging you for their marketing That tells other people this is the best adapter when it's not. Unless you're the person that runs tournaments and travels around with all of this. So I'll leave it up to you to decide whether you're going to buy it or not. But I think my opinions are pretty clear. Unless you run tournaments and travel with it. Or unless you really just want this one thing. I definitely would not buy it at all. Well, that's it for this week. How'd I do? Is my throat hanging in there? It hurts like hell. So hopefully uh, I wasn't too scratchy and annoying voiced. And if I sounded like I I rushed through a couple of them, it was only because my voice was completely giving out during a lot of this. So my apologies if this one was annoying to listen to. I'll try to filter it out better or something. But anyway, thank you very much for all of your support. Thank you for watching and listening, even on days that I'm not completely with it. And honestly, you're all the best. I love you all. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next week. And I probably will do the Q&As this week. Last week I missed it because of a a family thing, but this week if my throat gets worse, there's no way I'll be able to do it. But fingers crossed I'll just pass this in a day or two and jump right back in. So hopefully I'll see you for the Q&As in a, a few days, but if not, I'll see you next week.